Welcome to the Untold Podcast, capturing the culture's imagination through speculative fiction. I'm your host, Nathan James Norman. It's October, and that means we're all getting ready for the 31st, a holiday us speculative fiction lovers cherish, a time that reminds us it's good to be alive, a time of doors, a time of theses, a time of death threats and torture and kidnapping, although not necessarily in that order. I'm, of course, talking about Reformation Day. Yes, Reformation Day, which commemorates Martin Luther's nailing of the 95 Theses to Wittenberg door in the year of our Lord, 1517. Be sure to enunciate theses when you say it. But because dressing up like a German monk, or a German priest, or a German prince, or a German farmer, or a German shepherd gets old fast, we also look forward to Halloween. We've already covered the controversy surrounding Christians and Halloween back in episode 26, Friends in the Dark, so head over there for my thoughts. This month, we'll be featuring two horror stories on the Untold Podcast, because we love horror. This week's story was written and produced by Richard C. Mills. Mills is a writer, producer, and sound engineer. He has a great interest in many of the facets of the art and entertainment industry, and is constantly looking for new avenues to tell stories and expound upon the human experience in emotional and resounding ways. He is the founder of Sentinel Studios, which aims to produce compelling and thought-provoking art. You can find more great work over at www.sentinelstudios.net. And if you like what you hear, you can support his work financially at patreon.com backslash Richard C. Mills. We'll link to it in the show notes so you can find it easy. This week's story was originally produced and featured by Sentinel Studios. Cover art was created by Lainey Mills. So now, without further ado, the Untold Podcast proudly presents Within by Richard C. Mills. Within. Written by Richard C. Mills. Read by Isaac Carlson. Prologue. A silent war raged throughout the night sky as black clouds battled for dominance over the full moon's glittering realm, blotting out star after star on its conquest for total darkness. The storm would not be far behind. A cold breeze swept across the empty fields and darkened forests, fleeing from the storm, warning all living things of the impending danger. It whispered its way through the dry and dying leaves, snatching many of them with it in search of shelter. The trees quaked with terror as the wind took their remaining covering, knowing deep in their roots that not all of them would survive the night. From somewhere in the impenetrable depths of the forest, a howl shattered the silence, and then another, and another. There were howls of pain and anger, betrayal, and the loss of oneself. It chilled the forest and the very wind halted its flight, briefly questioning if what lay in the darkness was worse than the danger of the storm. For a moment all was deathly still. Then from far away, 
Other cries answered the first, reassuring, obedient, watchful. The pack was forming. The clouds continued their unwavering advance, finally swallowing the moon itself, plunging the land into darkness and allowing the first few drops of rain to descend. A low rumble echoed through the sky, and another stormy gust blew through the leaves, driving the faltering wind onward. At the edge of the forest, as the occasional droplets spattered on the ground, a hunched figure emerged from the trees. He moved forward slowly, disjointedly, snapping his head this way and that, before focusing his attention on the valley below. A small farmhouse sat alone among the empty fields, trapped between the menacing black clouds and the howling forests. Warm yellow light peeked out from the cracks of the closed shutters, trying desperately to see what haunted the darkness outside. No doubt the farmer's family huddled together, bathed in the comforting glow of a fire, praying to whatever gods existed that the night would pass quickly and without incident. It would not be so. Blood slowly filled the figure's eyes, the rage building, the hunger growing. Then he dropped down on all fours and let out a terrifying, high-pitched howl. The howl caught on the wind and scattered throughout the trees and bushes, being picked up and relayed until the whole forest sounded with the death song. In moments, the figure was surrounded by gleaming eyes and hungry, snarling fangs. The wolves were ready to feast. A flash of white lightning split the sky, cutting the black clouds open, ushering torrents of rain from the gaping wound. It was time. The wolves had their leader, and their leader had his prey. All eyes gazed viciously at the lonely farmhouse. The hunt had begun. Chapter 1 The putrid stench of death assaulted Rawl as he made his way deeper into the dimly lit cave. The beast was here. He could smell it. He inched forward, treading noiselessly, carefully avoiding the bones and decaying remnants of what he could only hope had been animals. This abomination would pay. After years of training and months of tracking, he had finally found it. The long trail of rumors and legends had led him to this cave, and now, the smell that had haunted him since his childhood returned in full force to confirm that retribution was near at hand. Rawl fought to regain his thoughts. At this point, emotions would only hinder his performance. There would be time for rage, a time for vengeance. But right now, he had to focus on simply surviving. His eyes scanned the darkness, searching for any moving shapes among the rocky crags. He was lucky they hadn't detected him already. The scented garments must have been working. He slowly pulled out a silver-tipped arrow, knocking it to his bow, readying it for the long-awaited encounter. He rounded a corner, and the confining cave walls fell away, morphing into a much larger cavern. There, sitting upright on its haunches, feeding on its most recent kill, was a werewolf. Rawl watched breathlessly as another werewolf, this one slightly smaller than the first, 
emerged from the outlying darkness and lumbered lazily over to where the feast was taking place. As it positioned itself around the carcass, Rawl thought he caught a glimpse of something. He looked again and was sure of it. Among the bloodied and half-devoured fragments, he saw the very human hand of what could only be the butcher's daughter. Rawl stood numbly. He'd expected something like this was coming, but expecting and finally seeing are two very different things. Nausea filled him, and he almost wretched. No. No, there would be no more waiting. This evil had plagued the world long enough. It was time to act. He readied his bow, aimed it at the first silhouette, and after taking a steadying breath, released the string. The arrow tore through the air and embedded itself in the back of the werewolf. The beast howled in pain and surprise, his cries echoing throughout the chamber. The other werewolf whipped its head around, looking for the attacker. Their eyes locked, and the creature snarled viciously. Raw pulled and readied another arrow. The disgusting perversion of man and monster dropped to all fours and began bounding towards Raw, covering the distance between them in seconds. Rawl released the bowstring again, and the second missile shot across the cave. It missed by mere inches, glancing harmlessly off the nearby rock and vanishing into the darkness. He fumbled for a third arrow, but it slipped through his fingers. The werewolf was closing in on him, teeth bared, mouth dripping with blood and foam. It reached a large jutting rock and, using its momentum, leapt at him. Rawl dove to the ground, rolling away as the beast landed inches from where he'd just stood. He quickly discarded his bow and grabbed for his sword, pulling it out from its sheath just as the werewolf recovered and turned to face him. Instinctively, they each began to circle the other slowly, looking into each other's eyes, letting the hatred pour out, all the while looking for an opening, a weakness to exploit. Rawl found one first. He lunged forward with his short sword, feigning an attack to get the monster to react. The werewolf recoiled and immediately ready to capitalize on Rawl's overextension. But as soon as it moved, Rawl quickly pulled back, throwing the beast off balance and slicing into its flank with his blade. The silver cut hard and the werewolf howled, a fierce blood rage clouding the corner of its eyes. They disengaged and began circling again, the wolf moving a tad slower, leaving small droplets of blood behind it as it went. The beast was losing and it knew it. Rawl had only to focus on the fundamentals and staying alive, and he would outlast the monster. He heard a faint noise to his left, like small rocks cascading down bigger ones. He glanced quickly over to make sure that it wasn't the other wolf approaching, and saw that it was. The big one moved slowly, walking upright, one monstrous paw hand draped over its shoulder, clutching at the arrow protruding from its back. Its eyes tore into Rawl, so familiar so haunting, so full of hate. Those eyes. The first beast, delirious with rage, seized the moment of distraction and dove into Rawl, attempting to overpower him through sheer force and muscle. Paying no heed to his sword arm or the silver blade it held, it went straight for his throat. Rawl barely had time to pull his sword tight before they collided and fell to the ground. A sharp pain tore at his right leg. His hands were empty, Or was his sword? Had he cut himself with it? He scrambled up as fast as he could, trying to ignore the pain, hoping to locate his weapon before either beast recovered and reached him. 
the werewolf on the ground, wasn't getting up. It only shook violently as blood slowly began to pool beneath it. It was there that Raw saw his sword, buried all the way up to its hilt within the wolf's heaving chest. Well, that was one down. He turned his attention to the big werewolf, still lumbering towards him, never breaking its gaze. Its breathing was labored and hitching, and pain was etched across its perverted face. With Rawl's sword temporarily out of commission, he would need to find his bow. He limped over to where he had first tumbled away from the werewolf and began frantically searching. He found some arrows where they had fallen out of his quiver. But where was his bow? Rawl shot a glance back at the monster. It was closing in. At last, his hands clenched around a curved piece of wood. Rawl pulled it up and wasted no time in knocking an arrow and letting it fly. The creature jerked backwards as the missile struck it, but remained standing, a hideous testament to its power and strength. It was an impressive display, but they both knew it was futile. Rawl stood in complete control, and the time of sweet revenge was finally at hand. He loosed another arrow, and then another, firing every one that he could find. One for his mother, one for his father, two more for his brother and baby sister. He yelled and cursed at the great wolf, finally unleashing the full fury that had been building since his childhood. The monster staggered ever onward, hate alone propelling it forward until at last it teetered over and fell to the ground. Eyes still flaming red, it stole one last gulp of air before becoming no more. An eerie silence settled over the cavern. Rawl realized he had been holding his breath and released it. Then he collapsed to the floor, panting. It was over. After fifteen years of torment and suffering, fifteen years consumed with revenge, it was finally over. Rawl just sat there, breathing in the victory as the adrenaline receded, realization of his success slowly washing over him. A pain in his leg began to steadily grow more noticeable, and he looked down to inspect it. Four jagged cuts ran down his leg stretching from right below the knee, almost all the way to the ankle. Blood was spilling out into the rocky floor, mixing with the blood of the monster wolves. There was nothing to worry about. Once he got back to the town, he would... A small cry faintly reverberated through the cavern. Rawl might have dismissed the sound as nothing, or his own imagination, except that after a brief minute of silence, he heard it again. Rising slowly... He tenderly made his way past the large corpses, pausing by the smaller one to work his short sword free before limping off in search of the noise. It wasn't hard to find the source, and as Rawl neared the cavern wall, he found a litter of small wolves. No doubt upset at the disturbance, they now huddled together in fear, the braver ones whimpering gently for their parents. They looked young, definitely old enough to have heard the commotion and possibly even seen the battle but too young to have done anything but hide and cry. Rawl could relate, and it was a bitter irony. Rawl tightened his grip on the hilt, questioning his next move. 
true justice required them to experience what he had gone through, to face the horrors and sadness he had faced. They deserved to be left lost and helpless, with no one to guide them and nothing to love. They deserved to live. But no. No, unlike them, he was not a monster. He knew how to be merciful. Five clean thrusts, and the whimpering ended. Chapter 2 The guards glared warily at Rawl as he passed by, silently watching him from the shelter of their darkened helmets. He nodded to both of them as he proceeded through the open gates, not offended. If you wanted to survive for long out here, a healthy suspicion was something you acquired very quickly. Lywick was just like any other frontier town. Thick walls, rugged citizens, and a collection office located just inside the main gate. That was where Rawl was headed. He hefted the large sack higher onto his shoulder and traversed the less than busy street to the front door. A little bell rang as he opened it, announcing his arrival to the overseer. The place was an organized mess. Mounted heads and other gruesome trophies lined almost every inch of the walls, a veritable monument to the settlers' dedication and prowess. Various other trinkets and small items littered the shelves and tables that sat haphazardly throughout the building. Rawl surmised that this place probably doubled as either a lost and found or a pawn shop. Perhaps both. In the corner, a large black crow sat perched atop a silver birdcage. It glowered angrily down at Rawl as he passed by. Some people's pets. A door opened at the back of the shop and a short, fat man emerged. He was almost bald, with a few unsightly tufts of hair still refusing to surrender the fight. A large, black eye patch covered his right eye, but his other eye instantly spotted Rawl among the cluttered junk. Ah, you're alive! He waddled up to the counter. That's usually a good first sign. His eye went to the sack, and he grinned, showing off golden teeth. What have you brought? Rawl lifted the sack and dumped its contents. Three heads rolled onto the counter. Two werewolf heads, eyes lifeless, but still screaming red hatred. The third head was large and lumpy, the face frozen in a grotesque sneer. The troll is a bonus. I assumed he didn't have a permit to set up shop at the old mill. All right, let's see what you got here. The man pulled a small kit from behind the counter and withdrew several small tools. He then stooped over to inspect the heads, looking them up and down, gently poking and prodding with his tools, making sure of each head's authenticity. He examined the fangs of the wolves, tapping the teeth to be sure they were solid. He looked down the ears and mouth of each and pulled a little at the eyelids. Well, I'll be, he said at last, his working eye filling with awe as he looked up from his examination and met Rawl's gaze. You've actually done it. Rawl stared back at the man, taking in his admiration. Yes, I did. The fat man excitedly waddled over to the large, cluttered job board on the back wall. Various pieces of paper were pinned to it, each with a target and a reward written on it. 
Some had a rough sketch of a target's appearance, but most of them did not. He ran his finger across the paper bounties until he found the one with the sketch of a large wolf and pulled it off. Next, he maneuvered over to the other counter and opened a drawer, withdrawing a small purse and several stacks of coin. He then began filling the small bag with the money, slowly, so Rawl could see he was being given the right amount. Rawl did make sure he was being given the right amount. He had not killed the werewolves for the money. He'd done it for revenge. But having completed the task, the reward was a nice bonus. Will you be staying here long? The man asked as he continued to fill the coin purse. There was a twinge of hope in his voice. No doubt he was a little worried that his newest star, Mercenary, would leave without at least taking a few more contracts off the board. I'm not sure, Raw replied, both because it was true and because he enjoyed people trying to convince him that he was needed. It made him feel appreciated, which was something he didn't get much of in his youth. The man finally tied the now weighty little purse and handed it to Raw. Since there wasn't any contract out for the troll, I can't officially give you a bounty. But I'll let the mayor know about it, see if we can't get some sort of payment for you. Maybe come back tomorrow? Rawl nodded and turned to leave. But as his foot hit the wooden floor, a shockwave of intense pain rippled through his injured leg. Rawl grabbed one of the messy shelves to steady himself, digging his fingernails into it until the pain began to diminish back into a low, constant throb. Are you all right? The man asked looking for the cause of Rawl's discomfort. His eye narrowed ever so slightly as he saw Rawl's bandaged leg. But then he gestured over to one of the clutter-laden tables. I've got a solid walking stick over there if you're interested. No, Rawl said. It's nothing. Just a scratch. The crow glared at him. Back outside in the waning sunlight, Rawl tried to formulate a plan. He had accomplished his lifelong goal. So now what? None of his many plans had ever touched on what he should do after he slew the beasts. And now, they left him feeling slightly empty. Rawl shook his head to dismiss the thoughts. He was just tired. He would find an inn, have a victor's feast, tend to his leg, and sleep. He would sleep, knowing the evil had been destroyed, knowing that his family had finally been avenged, knowing that because of him, the world had one less stain on it. He headed off in search of an inn. Chapter 3 The rain pounded down upon the roof of the solitary farmhouse the torrent ending the uneasy silence that had marked the calm before the storm. Inside, a bright yellow fire licked cheerlessly at the mantle, warming the cold air, but unable to melt the chill that lingered within the occupants. Something was out there. Rawl and his brother sat on the floor, nervous, pretending to play with their toys, but glancing up whenever the wind caught hold of the unfastened shutter. The windows had been closed, and the door bolted, but one shutter had come loose and was knocking against the outside of the house. The baby laid in the crib, 
eyes open, staring quietly up at the ceiling. Roll's mother sat at the table, praying fervently for peace. His father stood near the door, watching nothing. Silence. Nothing but the sound of the heavy rain. Maybe the danger was passing. Then a long, hate-filled howl. And another. And then another. The beasts were coming. They surrounded the farmhouse, scratching at the door, jumping at the windows, searching for a way in. They reached the roof and began tearing at the thatching, breaking through. His father rushed to repel the invaders. His mother grabbed the baby, now screaming and weeping. Rawl scurried under the bed, crying with fear. And then the wolves were inside. The nightmare had plagued him his entire life, but something about this reliving was different. Moments that had only been a blur of confusion and fear, things too traumatic for his young mind to handle, now filled in with sickening detail. He could feel the wolves overcoming his family, tearing out their throats. He could taste the blood. He could feel the anger, the hatred, the hunger for death and revenge. He was more real than it ever had been, and there was no escaping it. He was trapped in the memory. The smell of smoke as the house caught fire. The flames running rampant, consuming everything the wolves had not. The struggle to breathe, the choking, the sight of the beast walking through the burning chaos, the terror as the paws stopped and the wolf bent down to look under the bed, the eyes, blood red and once again living and filled with an insatiable hunger, the timeless eternity they had stared at each other, the fiery beam that had fallen on the wolf, the howl of pain, the collapsing roof, the struggle to see, the pummeling rain, the hiss of the dying fire, and then silence as his entire life faded away. Rawl awoke on the floor, his body covered with sweat. The town bell chimed loudly through the open window, ringing until it reached eleven. Could that be? Had he really slept for sixteen hours? He sat up and lifted a hand to his forehead, trying to clear the fog. His skin was hot to the touch. His clothes lay strewn across the room. He slowly picked them up and got dressed. His leg burned. Maybe it was worse than he thought. He hobbled around the rented room in search of some clean cloths and a basin of water, and upon finding them sat down to tend to his wound. He slowly unwound the bandage having to pry off sections that had stuck to the dried blood. The wound didn't look good. The skin was festering, and the scab cracked and oozing. He gently washed it, wincing at the sharp pain, and carefully rewrapped it with fresh linen. Maybe he should have taken that walking stick. He slowly rose to his feet, gripping the bedpost to sturdy himself. He wasn't hungry. Oddly enough, he actually felt full. He must have eaten more last night than he remembered. Rawl headed for the door, deciding to skip breakfast and instead see if the officer had the bounty yet for the troll. But something caught his eye, 
In the corner of the room was a walking stick. It looked remarkably like the one the fat man had tried to sell him. Had that been there when he had gone to sleep? He picked it up. If he was going somewhere, he might as well use it. Maybe it was part of a set. Ron knew something was wrong as soon as he saw the large crowd of people surrounding the collection office. He made his way closer, skirting around groups of confused and frightened citizens, trying to see the cause of their gathering. He stopped under a tree where the crowd in front was thinner, and looked. The door to the building had been bashed open, and now hung limply on a single hinge. Town guards were stationed outside, trying their best to maintain a perimeter and keep the people out. So far, they were mildly succeeding, but from Rawl's position, he could see right past the broken door, into the ransacked room, and straight to the chubby hand that lay outstretched on the floor. Rawl's breath caught. Not so much that the man was dead, but because he knew that it had been done by a werewolf. For better or worse, Rawl was an expert on werewolves. He had tracked them long enough to know their methods and to see the signs. The faint scratches on the wall, the bent and fractured door, the unsettling look in the eyes of the guards. It all carried the same terrorizing message, just like the farmhouse. How many people knew he had gone after the werewolves? He didn't imagine the collection officer had been very tight-lipped about it. He probably made bets with half the town on whether or not Rawl would return. If he did, they would assume that Rawl hadn't actually killed all of the werewolves. Or worse, he looked down at his injured leg. No. No, people were superstitious. If they discovered that, there would be no escaping their ignorant judgments. It was hardly evidence, but out here, when passions flare and anger rises, people were killed for far less. He had to get out of town. A crow squawked from the tree above, loudly and frantically. Rawl jumped from the noise, and a sharp pain jolted through his leg. He quickly hobbled back towards the inn, hoping nobody would notice him or his uneven gait. He just needed to grab his pack and buy some food. Then, he would leave. Chapter 4 The road through the forest stretched seemingly forever. Raw clutched at the walking stick, teeth gritted, jaw clenched at the rhythmic agony as he took step after step away from the town that could have been his home. It should have been. If the people had been more intelligent and rational, they wouldn't have feared what they thought of his injury. He grimaced as his foot struck a protruding rock. Pain raced up and down his body, and he leaned heavily on his newly acquired walking stick, refusing his body's wishes to crumple to the dirt. As the pain began to recede, and his blurring senses returned to normal, he again heard the harsh cries of the large black crow. The crow. The same bird that had glared at him from its perch in the collection office. The same one that had found him under the large tree was now stalking him relentlessly, 
flying from tree to tree as he traveled, squawking a loud warning as if alerting the world to the presence of a murderer. Except he wasn't a murderer. Killing one man didn't make someone a killer. The same as telling one lie didn't make one a liar. It was all about intentions, and his were noble. But even noble people make mistakes. He didn't necessarily remember killing that man, and if anything, he had watched it being done. His memory of the night was nothing more than a jumble of faint glimpses and shattered images, and he thought it had only been another dream until he had seen the damage. But damage could be fixed. And what if he had killed that man? He'd save the town from monsters. If they'd tried to kill the wolves, they would have lost many more men than that. In the scales of commerce, the good he had done far outweighed the bad. The crow flapped its wings and soared to the next tree, letting out another harsh squawk as it landed. Rawl was so sick of that noise. His head was pounding, his skin was still hot and clammy, and that cursed bird wouldn't stop. His foot struck another rock, and this time his body did give way. He fell heavily to the dirt road, coughing and biting his tongue against the pain. He needed help. The crow reached another tree and sang again. Its ugly squawk sounded like cackling. It infuriated Raw. This had to stop now. Ignoring the pain, he threw off his pack and slowly got to his knees. He grabbed his bow and found his quiver, and in the blink of an eye, he released an arrow. The last cry was cut short as the crow fell like a stone, awkwardly landing on its back, the arrow still sticking out of its chest. At last, the forest was quiet. Chapter 5 Rawl pounded on the door, hoping against hope that someone was home, praying that they'd be kind enough to take in a stranger. Exhausted and half delirious with pain, he'd lost track of his whereabouts and only luckily stumbled upon the secluded little farm. At least fortune still smiled on him. A chill caught Rawl, and he shivered. The setting sun was blinding, but distant, and Rawl had to hold up a hand to shield his burning eyes while still yearning for its warmth. Please let someone be home. The door opened, just enough for a face to emerge. Yes, can I help you? Please, I need help. I'm hurt. Rawl was stammering and incoherent. He did his best not to beg, but his voice came out as more of a whimper than anything else. For a painful moment, the door didn't move. Rawl watched the fear and compassion battle across the occupant's face. His eyes looked Rawl up and down, and then lingered at Rawl's own, perhaps trying to gauge his honesty. At last, compassion won out, and the door opened wider as the now visible man gestured Rawl to enter. The man was tall and slender, with rugged muscles from fieldwork, and as he shut the door, Rawl was greeted by an intimate little interior. A fire roared brightly in the corner, and family relics decorated the walls. It reminded Rawl so much of his old home. It even smelled the same. The man called to his wife in the other room, 
informing her of the new guest and their need for another spot at the table. A moment later, she emerged, followed closely by two small children. As she saw Rawl, pity instantly filled her face, and they all smiled kindly as they went through the introductions. Rawl smiled back, but in his weariness, couldn't retain their names. His tired mind was busy spinning around in feverish circles, his memory bringing up thoughts. Maybe they would let him stay here. Maybe they would tend to him while he recovered. Maybe now that he'd accomplish his lifelong goal, he should try to start a new life like the one he'd lost. Maybe he would ask them. The man led Rawl up a small flight of stairs to a meagerly furnished room. You can rest here until dinner is ready. Rawl thanked the man profusely and threw off his backpack after shutting the door. He tried to gently ease out of his boots, but raw pain exploded through him nonetheless. The room began to swirl as his pent-up body began to unwind, and Raw barely made it back to the bed before collapsing. The dinner table was silent as Raw waited impatiently for the family to emerge with the meal. The pain in his leg had diminished ever so slightly, or maybe the fever had just numbed it. Regardless, he was so groggy that it had taken both the man and his oldest son to help him down the stairs. So Rawl sat, starving, ready to devour anything that came across his path. Wake up and eat, and then return again to the warm unconsciousness of sleep. It was his only ambition. At last, the family paraded in with the meal. Carrots and a few potatoes, a loaf of bread, and a small roast chicken. It was less than overwhelming. Regardless of the size, Rawl attacked it as soon as it hit the table. Ignoring the vegetables, he went straight for the meat, tearing and grabbing large chunks of chicken with his bare hands. It had been overcooked, but he wolfed it down anyway. Through the corner of his eyes, he could see the farmer's family, trying to maintain some semblance of normality, eating calmly, but shooting small, nervous glances at each other and trying their best not to stare. A few times conversation was attempted, but Rawl avoided questions about his past and had none in return, causing any effort to falter quickly. Rawl continued pillaging the chicken corpse until nothing but the bones remained. Then he shakily got to his feet and began the long journey towards the stairs. The farmer and his son quickly rose, and together they helped Rawl back to his bedroom. As they opened the door and entered the room, Rawl stopped dead in his labored tracks. He saw the eyes again, there in the mirror on the far wall staring back at him with the blood-red eyes of the monster. He stepped backwards, horrified, wanting to break free of the gaze, but unable to pull his eyes away. No, that wasn't possible. He wasn't a monster. He couldn't be. He tore free from the steadying grip of the farmer and rushed forward, picking up a nearby chair and hurling it at the mirror. It shattered into countless pieces, but the image still lingered in the corners of his mind. He must be hallucinating. He wasn't a monster. Monsters were what he hunted. They were what he killed. He hated them, but he was not one of them. He turned back toward the farmer and his son. They were staring, 
terror and disbelief flooding their faces. It enraged Rawl. Did they actually think he was a werewolf? Were they really that naive? He felt his anger rising, and he couldn't contain the growl that escaped his throat. A wolf-like growl. The farmer's eyes grew wide, and his trembling hand slowly extended towards the door. Leave now! Rawl couldn't think. He could only act. These people and their fake hospitality. He would be back. He bounded down the steps, not feeling the pain in his leg, and ignoring all else, opened the door and disappeared into the growing night. Epilogue A silent war raged throughout the night sky as black clouds battled for dominance over the full moon's glittering realm, blotting out star after star on its conquest for total darkness. The storm would not be far behind. A cold breeze swept across the empty fields and darkened forests, fleeing from the storm, warning all living things of the impending danger. It whispered its way through the dry and dying leaves, snatching many of them with it in search of shelter. The trees quaked with terror as the wind took their remaining covering, knowing deep in their roots that not all of them would survive the night. From somewhere in the impenetrable depths of the forest, a howl shattered the silence, and then another. There were howls of pain and anger, betrayal and the loss of oneself. It chilled the forest and the very wind halted its flight, briefly questioning if what lay in the darkness was worse than the danger of the storm. For a moment, all was deathly still, and from far away, other cries answered the first, reassuring, obedient, watchful. The pack was forming. The clouds continued their unwavering advance, finally swallowing the moon itself, plunging the land below into darkness and allowing for the first few drops of rain to descend. A low rumble echoed through the sky, and another stormy gust blew through the leaves, driving the faltering wind onward. At the edge of the forest, as the occasional droplets splattered on the ground, a hunched figure emerged from the trees. He moved forward slowly, disjointedly, snapping his head this way and that, before focusing his attention on the valley below. A small farmhouse sat alone among the empty fields, trapped between the menacing black clouds and the howling forests. Warm yellow light peeked out from the cracks of the closed shutters, trying desperately to see what haunted the darkness outside. No doubt, the farmer's family huddled together, bathed in the comforting glow of a fire, praying to whatever gods existed that the night would pass quickly and without incident. It would not be so. Blood slowly filled the figure's eyes, the rage building, the hunger growing. Then he dropped down to all fours and let out a terrifying, high-pitched howl. The howl caught on the wind and scattered throughout the trees and bushes, being picked up and relayed until the whole forest sounded with the death song. 
In moments, the figure was surrounded by gleaming eyes and hungry, snarling fangs. The wolves were ready to feast. A flash of white lightning split the sky, cutting the black clouds open, ushering torrents of rain from the gaping wound. It was time. The wolves had their leader, and their leader had his prey. All eyes gazed viciously at the lonely farmhouse. The hunt had begun again. Within was written, directed, and produced by Richard C. Mills, and narrated by Isaac Carlson. Music score was created and produced by Dynamedian Royalty Free, Adam Skorupa, John Pistotello, Alexander Kaskin, 1M1 Music, Gavin Corti, and Liz Radford. And that was our story. I hope you liked it. Werewolves are my favorite sort of monster. There's quite a few themes these creatures can explore. This story examined much of human nature and sin's effect on us. But rather than go on, I'd like to encourage you to discuss this on the forums, Facebook, or in the comments section of this episode. And remember to visit Sentinel Studios. Before we go, remember that... This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network. For more great content and community, visit ChristianGeekCentral.com. Please remember to join our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, blog about us, leave us reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find us, and tell your friends. Until next time, I'm Nathan James Norman, reminding you, the troll is a bonus.